2: From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear, to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open. You be queen. You were fired. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters. They called you wisdom. Proverbs on the backs of diamond-eyed schoolchildren who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise, be smart, be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone and prayer, be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, wife told her daughter and daughter told the ancestors and the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come dropping. gems,
3: Hey, it's Debbie Brown. Welcome back to another episode of the dropping gems podcast. We are at episode number 11. And I have a super funny story funny to me story. Uh, Today's guest is a very, very dear old friend of mine. We have done some really cool creative work together. He is a musical genius. Um, So many albums, so many projects, so many incredible artists that he has worked with and won Grammys with on his roster. He is a father. He is a jazz musician. He is a hip hop musician. He scores films. I mean, like this guy is everything. He is your favorite artist, probably favorite producer, perhaps instrumentalist. Uh, Welcome to the show, Terrace Martin.
4: Hey, Hey, but I'm disappointed. You left out one thing. What? I make the most amazing vegan tacos right now. Okay. <laughs> no, every, this is the thing. Every day I've been like looking up recipes and every day I go in and make vegan tacos. I forgot you vegan. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know what? Just recently I tried the Popeye's chicken sandwich.
3: You did. Yeah. So you decided I, to I was murder sick, and eat an animal yeah. because yeah. of black Twitter? Why? Well, I don't think
4: Popeye's is real chicken.
3: Okay. Oh, God.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, though.
3: Wait, so let me give everybody a little background. So Terrace and I, first of all, we go way, 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 way back. Way back. Yes, yes. Um, and for, for anybody listening right now that is, like, familiar with my career over the years and you know my first run in radio which is right which was right here in la then you'll remember that terrace and i had a very special project together that dropped in 2010 we did a mixtape album together uh called hear my dear and we had pretty much everybody on it probably before you became familiar with their music so like who who were some of the artists on here
4: um you and I, Dom Kennedy, uh, Kendrick Lamar, Wiz Khalifa.
5: Yeah. Uh Casey man, Veggies. Casey Veggies. Yeah.
4: Um, man, yeah. So just, many
3: people. Shout out to Bad Luck. Yeah,
4: bad luck, problem, you know, jizzle, jizzle.
3: Um
4: a lot of those guys.
3: And then we had some OGs on it, like Charlie Wilson. Charlie Snoop Wilson, Snoop Dogg, corrupt.
4: Corrupt, DJ Quick.
3: DJ Quick.
4: DJ Quick, J Black, Tone, uh, fifteen hundred, lot of, of fifteen hundred or nothing. Yeah,
3: yeah it, it was a really, really special. It was project. a special project,
4: and that was a special time because that was special the the, time. the internet hadn't yet found its place all the way yet. Mm-mm. It was still. It was like we were all growing together with the internet. That I was, was a like time. talking
3: you into. I was. I remember explaining to you what blogs were. Yeah. And why it mattered if your music got on them or not.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, wait, so we, so wait, no. So you don't get paid. Right. So you give it away. So you work hard and give it away. Harris
3: was like, "This makes no yeah. sense to me. Where is my publishing?" Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a really, it was such a special time for like emerging hip hop, but specifically for like LA musicians. It was. I can't really think of a time more special. Also, I'm biased because I was a part of it, but (laughs) yeah.
4: Well, no, it was, it was, it was, it You know, it's funny. It it was a special time for us in LA, and what I've come to find out by traveling, it was, it was a special time for the world.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, because you were able to really have access to. The really pure musical offerings of people, not not the offerings that people from a city made to hopefully get picked up in other markets like you were no matter where in the world you were, you could be a fly on the wall of like a vibe happening here or wherever. You
4: could cut the middleman out. Yeah, you could cut opinions out. You could cut. That's not good enough. So you can't put your music out. Yeah, like you could be your own A and R. You could run your own career with the internet.
3: So true, and and it's really before because and I know I say this all the time. So for y'all that are like warriors of the podcast, you can be like you always talking about what Twitter used to be, Um, (laughs) but you know around classic now around that time it was you know Twitter really was just a place that like industry people were on and just like sharing thoughts and you know it was the same like you were saying whatever you wanted to say, Um, but there weren't that many people there, so it still felt really small yeah. and i was doing like uh a lot of like music marketing at that time yeah. like i had like email blast lists that would go out rem- to all the blogs you taught
4: me how to blast stuff yeah i used to call you every morning okay it's, it's time
3: it's the time i'm gonna
4: do 10 because 10 is the right time now because over there t- yep.
3: yeah it was and the i'm like yes i sent it to rap radar yes rap i sent radar, it to right. you know two dope boys yeah. and yeah i'm still friends
4: with all them because of that Time.
3: yeah that moment With time. B, that's how
4: i you know beat out that's how i know all yeah. those guys
3: because of that that and that's before, even elliot like, wilson yeah that's how i know him because of that the whole time shout out to beat out and, and YN. um yeah it was god that was such a good time someone has to do a documentary about that time because it was yeah. just like we'd be at all these shows and all of these yeah Events and it's it before was people were like at that time I don't even believe Twitter had an option for you to share a picture nope. like you had to like sign up for a Twitpic account TwitPic. and then you'd put that URL in your Twitter feed so the people weren't sharing in that rapid kind of way. Um, I had a
4: BlackBerry then.
3: Yes, BBM.
4: BBM. <laughs> you, you know who has a, a good amount, probably the most, the the most in LA that has a lot of that air on footage hmm. is Calmatic.
3: Oh, I would believe Kalimatic it. Matic was yeah. there and every
4: he was there a lot of here. My dear says he was there at those quick shows. No, he was a kitty, but he always had a camera taping yeah. everything. So he has a lot of that stuff, you know.
3: Yes, yeah, crazy. And you know, Terrace and I went on to do um how many more projects did we do together?
4: 3 two yeah. Hear My Dear, here my sexy dear. Pee, We did the Sexy P and then Cease and Desist and then the
3: we did a Sexy fee Cease and Desist because Kim Kardashian tried to sue us she tried um, she tried yeah. <laughs> we ended up
5: on tried. TMZ we ended
4: up on TMZ
3: oh what a world that
5: was fun
4: yeah honestly that and that speaking about early Twitter I, I remember when Twitter was actually pure pure it oh wasn't God. like All perception hadn't sense. yet hit Twitter yet yeah like the art of perception hadn't hit it yet where it's like the money by people the ear vibe really, hadn't quite yeah. came yet.
3: Yeah, people weren't really curating um, the way they wanted to be perceived by others. Mm-hmm. You were just kind of like sharing yourself and whatever was. That's it. Yeah.
4: That's it. Twitter was, Twitter, and still is. I mean, Twitter, Twitter's a good thing. I know a lot of people that are still on it a lot. I'm on it like once, a three weeks maybe, I'm on Twitter.
3: Yeah, me too. I'm not really on Twitter anymore. Um, but also, it's just more than anything. I think Twitter is so fantastic for people that give like um, real-time commentary that are really yeah. like doing things as they're happening with yeah. other people. And yeah. that used to be my jam. That's not anymore anymore. Yeah. Um, so like I used to like live tweet all the award shows or live tweet remember, my yeah, favorite TV that. shows yeah. or live tweet concerts, you know, and, and like be like so and so just came on the stage, yeah. um, which was amazing for the time. But now it's like I'm just so unplugged from so many things yeah. like I'm yeah. just like I usually will hear news like three days later. Like, or like, yeah, yeah, people would be like, yo, you hear what happened to so-and-so? And I'd be like, no, I did not.
4: Uh. Yeah. Well, now, because <laughs> like, of Instagram, you could, you you know, everything is.
3: Yeah.
4: Everything is like Twitter mixed with visual and, you know what I'm saying?
3: You yeah. Know? The most I do is probably my stories more than anything. Okay. I just don't, like, I'm just in a space, especially the last two years where I don't really, and this could absolutely change, but I just don't really feel compelled and not in a judgment way, like not in a way that's like, I don't do social media. Like, no, it's just like, um, I just really, that's what I spent my whole adult life doing since inception for work and for pleasure. And I just want to take some time to like, experience life more purely and yeah. just like live my day to day. So I have to really force myself to remember yeah. to like post. Cause I'm like, okay, well I still gotta, you know,
4: I totally, I, and I, quite frankly, I, in, in my, this is my opinion about everything. Um, you know, I, I work with a lot of different people in different facets of life. And the one thing that we all have in common is, um, when, when you're really working and really unfolding things and trying to develop something new, Things that haven't been done before, or hit the reset button in your life and trying to grow, you 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 really don't have as much time as people think to go on those things because as yeah. you're looking at it, you're missing so much life go past you. So I've learned like the people that like I, I'm people have to call me like, man, you have to post more, and I'm like, I don't have nothing to say. Um, I'm I'm working on this project. Out
5: right, hey y'all, right. I'm back
4: in the studio. Yeah, it's kind of like it's you know I, I I think it's okay to have some bit of mystery about it and just post when you can't you yeah. know I don't think and it's I a think, big thing yeah
3: I think too it's like if you it also depends like what you're after like yeah. and if you like where you're at in your career because if you're younger and fresher, doing that is absolutely important because yeah. you're getting on people's radars yeah, you know yeah. um
4: yeah. well you also have time to do it
3: yeah and time because you're do trying it. to get yeah. cracking yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's part yeah, of your yeah, regiment. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So it it becomes part of your work and yeah. part of your grind. Yeah. I think too, it's like, for me, you know, we're both on the older end of the millennial curve, but also like I had a cur- I had a really kind of big career really young. Like I started in radio at like eighteen. I
5: remember
3: in LA in a special time. Yeah. So like the kind of access and influence I had really young. Um, and that went on for like over a decade now, I'm just kind of like, okay, I don't care about any of it, you know? Um, so just, I guess just kind of in the sense of like not a burnout, I think that's too harsh of a word. That's growth. Yeah. That's growth. Like that's that's just not, yeah. It's interesting because now it is important to build your following and to get your numbers up and to make sure you're doing all of these things. But I kind of just feel like I had been doing that for so long before (sighs) it became a thing to do that. Now I'm just, I don't want to stay over it, but I'm just, that's just not how I communicate any longer. You know, that's not how I share myself any longer. I kind of want to, I kind of want to cut a little bit of the access that people have to me, you know, cause I I really want to just focus on being present here and now and like building the relationships I already have further. And you know, yeah,
4: for me and I'm, 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 I'm very similar to that for me. I, I'm still like, like I have mentors that I still inspire to, to maybe one day I could be three percent of them, and, and it's like for me, I,
3: tell, tell the people real quick like, because Terrace is such a bar, in any given week like just give me a couple names of people that you might be either on tour with, in the studio with, working on a project with. Like just just give me a random week because like for instance I'll give
4: you I'll give you yesterday.
3: Okay, tell me
4: yesterday this is my morning started at a, my morning starts at six I do dog training I do very intense obedience and personal protection and shitzin and competition dog training for two hours every wow. morning at the park up here with all my friends that you know and it's dog training it's not music it's not Instagram it's not who's popular it's how good does your dog listen to you I That's remember all one time
3: matters. Terrace called me all excited oh yeah, was yeah like yeah. He was like, yo, man, I got like, he has a passion for dogs and he does some breeding. And he was like, yo, man, I got this dog right now. He was like, this dog is the J. Cole of the dog world.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because I love J. Cole
3: because he's so nice. And and this, was had, a, this was a while ago. He has but nice, and then
4: Jake musically, J. Cole is a nice guy, but then he has a switch <laughs> to get aggressive. I like J. Cole when he looks unassuming all the time. And that, this dog reminded I'm me of J. Such Cole. such a
5: huge Cole fan. And the dog is, was yeah. light.
4: It was real light. It was a light, c- like, like oh, a fine kind of dog, and that reminded me of J. Cole.
3: But, okay, so your dog training yeah, like for so two hours. That
4: two hours. I go home. I eat my food. Now it's like eleven ish. I'm shell, I'm dressed. Now the day started. My first session is at UCLA to teach and work on the Herbie Hancock record and working on his orchestra music. That wow. that I stopped there. I do all that with me, Herbie Hancock, um, Robert Glasper, Corey Henry, all the top musicians. I had to leave there at five. Cause I had a session with Why and Corday. I forgot because he's always working, and we just finished his first record. So now he's really he's a young, excited artist. So he stays in the studio. And then after that, I got a call from Punch at about ten o'clock at night to go listen to some things that he's been doing with him and the, you know you know you know the TD guys. But then about one o'clock in the morning on the way home, I get a call from G Perico, and he wants to play me his music because I've been helping out on his record. Wow. But it's not done at four in the morning i get another text from herbie hancock he's 79 by the way wow. he's up at four in the morning watching movies <laughs> you know talking about what we did the next what he's gonna do so it's like i feel like I, at th- those days have kind of become my norm now where
5: yeah
4: it's just like people it's like it's just how, how we just talked about how we love living in a certain area because it it is so many different walks of life and different people that's yeah. that's I love when my days are filled up like that I, I couldn't like I couldn't I can't eat the same thing every day I can't wear the same thing I can't wear one color I don't want to do anything I did yesterday who wants to look in the rear view forever that's like no
3: bro. you know what I call that too like the I don't even know if this fits but I I've thought about this over the years but like and this is no shade to him, but like the Mr. T complex, right? Mm. Like I don't want to be so tied up in my identity or the way I'm being perceived that I limit my growth. Yeah. So it's like, you know, how like Mr. T is like, he was a huge deal in the eighties, right? Like, and you knew him because of his signature style. So you knew him because of his signature chains, because of his haircut, the way he talked, mm. the shirts, right? The arms out. Um, and, and then you look and it's like, 40 years later, if you see him on the street, he's dressed exactly the same because he's so tied to that moment of time with his identity. Um, And so it's just, I don't know. Sometimes it's just really important to take that step back and to like, think like, am I feeding the beast? Am I feeding social media? Am I feeding the world with things only because it further perpetuates like how I want them to see me or be perceived? Mm -hmm. Or like, are you taking enough time and having enough silence to like follow the flow of life effortlessly you yeah. know
4: it's a balance It's and this it's a hard one too
3: it's tough it's you know, tough it's funny Terrace and i uh we actually recorded a podcast episode together um <laughs> like months ago like this is like maybe four months ago can i, and, use, the can I
4: use the bathroom real quick
3: yeah go yeah. ahead <laughs> and i'll just finish sharing. Life. so Terrace and i uh We're at the ranch right now in my little studio and it has a restroom. So I hope whatever you do, I hope whatever you do in there doesn't pick up on the microphone. (laughs) So we had done, we had recorded an episode together, uh, but here was the problem, right? I hadn't, I hadn't seen Terrace in a while, uh, and he had been like, I had moved back to LA And he had been like on tour off and on for the last couple of years that I've been back. So we've talked and we've caught up, but we hadn't really had like an in-depth catch up in a long time. So he came over and before we even turned the microphones on, two and a half hours had gone by of us talking and catching up. Then we turned the mics on and we end up talking for close to three hours. So by the time he left, I was like, this audio is impossible to edit. <laughs> and I was like, we are just going to have to find a way to start from scratch. Um, and especially, like, last time you had come over, it was just a few days, like, after Nipsey had passed. Yeah, it
5: was very lot. Like, yeah. Our
3: energy was just, yeah. it was a really hard time. Um, so then, ever since then... I've been hitting him like, yo, we gotta redo this episode, you gotta come back in. He's like, all right, well, I get back from Budapest uh, uh, <laughs> in a couple of weeks, and then I'll hit him in a couple of weeks to be like, hey, I'm actually in Bali. And da-da-da. And I'm like, all right, well. Now right here.
4: <laughs> and we don't even live far from each other. I know we live by like, history. The Uber ride was four minutes.
3: Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, so, you know, and a couple, something that I I love about Terrace and I find fascinating is his life is so, and it's always been just so layered and so interesting. So when you were, when you were young, grew up in L.A., L.A. boy all the way, Um, you were also a musical prodigy. Your parents are musicians. Your mom is an incredibly talented and celebrated singer. Your Mm -hmm. father is a jazz musician, you know, and then you mix that kind of background of this like extensive knowledge of traditional music and instrumentation mixed with a very, very South Central L.A upbringing mm-hmm. and experience and lifestyle and the hip hop scene and the very signature sound of LA hip hop specifically, mm-hmm. especially back then, you know, in the times, uh, when you were younger and you're hearing like G funk and you're hearing, oh, yeah, you know,
4: yeah. that shifted everything. Yeah. Everything,
3: and you know. and you have like, you know, there's the story of like Jay Leno buying you your first yep. saxophone. saxophone. Yeah. You know, and you winning competitions and being a uh, kid, being asked to go out on tour and
4: I'm playing that horn. That's funny. I just took that horn. I'm playing that horn today. I said I'm gonna play that horn. I haven't played like in ten years, and I said I've decided to play. It Is tonight. that the horn you have right yeah, here? Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. Uh, uh.
3: And then you know, Quincy Jones has been a mentor over the years, yeah, and yeah. you've been on tours with Snoop and produced Grammy-winning records with Kendrick and mm-hmm. how many were So many people. Um
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So it's been a wild ride. You know what? It's
4: it's it's been a wild ride, but it's like it feels like a day to me. Mm. It feels like it just happened a day and it's you know, I I'm so excited to what's gonna come. Like I'm still I'm still hungry and still happy about finding new things. Yeah. And everything. Like I'm not um I remember when I always top I used to always you know, I used to spend a lot of time with Top I just talked to him the other night, but he, he always say, man, I I, I like you. Cause you, 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 you've been doing so much and you know, you it's ups and downs in this career, but I'm, I'm, I, I never was jaded. Yeah. I never had the only expectations I ever had was, you know, hopefully I could wake up the next morning. So mm-hmm. I never was jaded or nothing. So I think that that's helped me. But now Debbie, I'm, I, all that stuff feels like yesterday, and like mm. it feels. I feel stronger than the older I get. I feel more stronger and more ready for the unexpected every time. Before, when I was living that life and all those things was happening, I was just floating through. Now I know that that's kind of happens to me. I get more excited. Like, what's what's going to happen today? Was
3: can you what's like expand on? on what that looks and feels like? Like then versus now of how you would maybe like experience life
4: then then versus now was I was doing so much different music more from the love but actually more out of survival because I had a child at 15
5: Mm.
4: and and um you know dealing with a young child at 15 and the mother and you know we both she grew up in a certain circumstance to where money was a big issue so I've been paying child support since I was 16 wow so I always wanted to play jazz and do this, but on Tuesdays, the jazz gig wasn't going on. I couldn't make the money, and I I could go over here. I could make some money with Battle Cat for maybe a day, but then maybe I got to play a bar mitzvah on Saturday, and all these things kept happening so much in my life for years where that ended up just becoming the thing to where I never said no to a music. I always said, well, even if I didn't like something, I said, well, let me me do it (laughs) so I can figure out why I don't like it. Then Mm. I don't like it, but I always try different things, and that actually, what I realized, it ended up being really what L.A. is about. It's a melting pot of everything, of food, people, culture. So in my head, I'm like, well, it has to be a melting pot for work too because I don't want to get a day job, you know, and I did. I got fired from Foot Locker. They fired me. (laughs) But anyway, back then, but so that my mindset wasn't thinking – I didn't. I didn't really understand how fortunate I was to be living that life. I always thought it from a negative angle, where I got to do all these different things because I got to pay child support, or I got to do all these things because you know it wasn't Instagram back then, but it was pressure of of looking looking good, and sometimes you didn't have money for Jordans, or because I was young. Yeah. So it, a lot of it came out of being just the pressure and just having to get it done. But then I think that's what. um you know the universe did to, to train me, young. Mm. You know, I just told when I was in fifth grade, I went to Marcus Garvey um, on Seventh Avenue, Lawson, and that school was nine to five, by the way. Wow. Brother I am brother I am. I don't know if he's still with us, but he's the guy that started that school, and and one of the teachers, a was a psychic. This is real life. Your teacher. Yeah. Wow. Was a psychic, and she she was she, she was a sister. She has a little afro, she had a little, I never will forget she said, she, she said, you know, when you're ready, I wanna I want to read your palm or whatever. And I was always, I grew up in a strong Christian household at that time, mm. like, no, that's the devil, no, no, no. But then my friend that didn't grow up, he grew up in a whole nother house, he said, man, ain't nothing wrong with that, we was in fifth grade. <laughs> and I had her read my palm and she said, I don't know if this is real or whatever, but this is what she said. You're gonna be a successful musician And you're going to have a lot of... No, she said, first, you're going to have a lot of children. And I was like, no, I don't want kids at that time. Like, no, she's like, no, no, no.
3: As a fifth grader? Like, what? Yeah,
4: as a fifth grader. But she said, but you're going to be a successful musician. And you're going to be able to take care of these children. Like, you're going to be okay. And I was... I never... And I was like a musician. Like, "Ah, my dad's a musician. And I... Yeah, whatever. She didn't know nothing about me. And I swear, i never seen her again in my life, but... I thought about her again when I was, when, when I had my second child at 19, I thought about her again. I was like, whoa, but I wasn't the successful musician that came yet. Yeah. It was still just like, <laughs> I was like, when is that going to come?
5: You know?
4: <laughs> but you know, and I'm still reaching for success. You know, success is a matter of opinion. If I could just take care right. of my kids and pay the mortgage on time and get some reeds for the horn, I'm cool.
3: Well, I think too, like what what is bigger than success, and definitely what you've demonstrated is legacy, right? Like that that concept of yeah. of legacy of like creating and building something that'll surpass your life energy right now.
4: Yeah, I, I I follow a lot of great job musicians. I look a lot of look at it. I listen to a lot of old interviews from everybody. And people feel half and half about legacy. People feel like you shouldn't be thinking about legacy. Yeah. You know, should be Because that can infer
3: with your, like, creative experience?
4: It could. But in my case, being from South Central L.A., I'm going to think about legacy. I'm going to think about what I leave behind because so many of my people in my world, in my era, they didn't think about anything and they left and didn't leave anything and family yeah. fought, kids was fatherless and nothing had nothing to go. So maybe it's not the legacy word I think about, but I definitely am conscious of uh, doing right, so even if I don't reap the benefits, my children can reap the benefits. Mm. So I, I'm I'm conscious of that. You know, people, you shouldn't be, but I I don't know what you should be, but I have to be like that because I grew up in an environment where nobody was conscious about that. Yeah, and I saw the yeah. outcome of that. So yeah. am I thinking like they're gonna be reading about me later? No, I'm not thinking about that. But I I I I have prayers and wishes that that the universe will will pour in something good to my. To my children or whoever else is attached to me, because I pour so much out to the universe, so I think about that. Yeah, that's why I show up to motherfucking shit for free, and sometimes just do it because I love them. Because <laughs> I think about that, so they should be thankful.
3: i think about that a lot too i think right now it's this like age of awakening this moment in time where the generation under us is really like being born thinking and feeling that like the frequency is a lot higher than it's ever been in history you know like
4: this i i I work with a lot of younger i work with a gen i work with i mean corday is i think he just turned 21 or something and Uh, I work with the young producer, Kid, that produced a lot of the Y Me and Cordae record. He just turned 17. Oh, my God. And he's working on a Herbie Hancock with me. He's working. I need to bring him here. He's 17. He moved to L.A. from Seattle when he was 15 years old, Mm. dropped out of school, started getting hit records with Skrillex, moved his whole family out, mother, father, everybody, put them all in the house. He's 17 years old, holding it down. He's one of the most respectable young men I've ever met in my life. And his name is Kid. And he's popular. He's a young pop, but he's so quiet, independent, doesn't smoke, doesn't... He's just so focused. But I learned from him. And I, I say, man, what's what's going on? And he'd be like, yeah, man, you know, he'll tell me. It, they're just so on the times, the post, mm. what the post. So I, I asked, man, what, what do you think about? What do you guys think about? He said, man, well, I think about the future. He said, but a lot of my peers, he's like, man, I know friends that are kind of like the funeral is in their Instagram prep, like the... Like they they're thinking Yeah, who's gonna come to my funeral? Whoa. And who's gonna say this about me when I'm dead? Mm. Like people, like a lot of the lot like from what I hear, a lot of the young a lot some younger artists, they people prepare for that. And they're thinking that's the thing to do because people get so much love when they're gone, but they're not loved when they're here. Some of these kids aren't loved when they're here, so they actually think when they're gone, they'll get embraced. Mm-hmm. That's just something that that, that happened to me last night, talking about that last night. Yeah,
3: I mean that- And I was so like this, I was like- (laughs) So many thoughts go through my head with that, right? Because it's like, I can absolutely understand that, especially if you don't have like a strong foundation for like being present in here Mm -hmm. and now. And if you don't have a foundation of love or any type of guidance Mm -hmm. or um, necessarily the ability to like feel good about yourself without the validation of others- Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like there's also no guarantee that you will ever see your funeral from above because, you know, because like kind of the way that I that I think of life and energy in the afterlife. It's like once I leave this earth, my human experience has ended, which Mm. means that my soul is back now on soul time. Um, which means that I'm not tied to ego. So I wouldn't even necessarily recognize or care what's happening here or how someone felt about me going. Mm -hmm. Um, I certainly can't imagine that your the essence of your soul would feel pleased, you know, by how much people, um, had an outpouring when you left. I don't know. Well, it's interesting.
4: Love is something that's been lacking in a a lot of people's you know a lot of people's makeup because people don't know how to love so if if you don't if you're not loved imagine if you're 18 years old going through so much your 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 biggest outlook on life is instagram yeah your heroes are praising death praising murder these are your heroes yeah see my hero my heroes all died unexpectedly yeah pac didn't want to die yeah I who, you know, these people don't, you know, they, that's kind of what, you know, I mean, we, although things are done to to perpetuate certain things, it's
3: never like. Well, Pac, Pac was very morbid. He was kind of like your friend you're describing and and really put a lot of thought into his death. But like, if you think of some of our like biggest leaders, like growing up, Malcolm X was my biggest hero. He's still one of the biggest influences on my life. Like, he probably felt like people wanted to kill him, but you—he definitely wasn't concerned. I kind of um, feel like with Pac, though. I, I feel I mean, like thinking what, about yeah, you know what, what we it read would be, and study but.
4: about him, what we know about him, it, d- definitely, definitely a, a lot of dark things. But when I talk to people that were real close to him, like Snoop and different people, he he really loved life. Hmm. Like he loved life, and he Snoop and Corrupt always talk about how much they they, they, he, they he taught them. About the quality of life, yeah, life, 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 life. So when, when yeah. I hear a song, I hear one thing, and but when I hear people that that really loved him with or without it, it he loved life, yeah. and he just wanted to just he wanted to be loved and wanted to show love. And yeah, that's why the whole thing happened. This, this just to show his, just
3: this, 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 this he wasn't you know what i you think know, like soul's like his like we always
4: gotta edit so much of our shit i know it gets so deep <laughs> like oh
0: all right so there we were cruising through the new open air zoo when i realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes luckily we were in my nissan road with its powerful VC turbo engine well we had time to see all the animals And out one of you!
1: Drive the Nissan Rogue.
3: Souls like Pac and like Souls like Nip, I hope I can keep it together. Um, I like every guest that I've had on has tried to bring up Nipsey in some kind of way. And I like instantly change the subject Mm because I'm just not ready to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously, like he was a friend to both of us and you knew him since he was a kid like yeah. extensively um since
4: he was selling incense with the little curl
3: <laughs> with his little baby yeah, curls with the
4: baby too. curls talking <laughs> intense like off top for i'll show, show up off top
3: y'all he,
4: he used to talk real <laughs> intense like but a gentleman very nice
3: oh he yeah, has the the best like yeah. spoken language and cadence um i, I want to share just this thought with you um and that i would like to get out of this okay. um So I'm doing, I'm, I'm involved in this like spiritual psychology program, right. That I've been, it's going to be like a three year program or whatever. Um, and after Nipsey died, I had to go to a class weekend. So what I'm doing is like, I'm almost done with my first year, but really for like the next three years, one weekend out of every month I go to school and I'm gone from like 6 PM Friday till 9 p.m. Sunday and our days are like 12 hours long right we're just in lecture we're studying we're researching um and we're doing uh different like work and experiences so I had to go the weekend following his death and when Nipsey died like I got into one of the most depressed places that I think I've been at least in 10 years you know like the um Because what was coming up for me was just like a lot, a lot of like profound disappointment and raw pain and just like, you know, I just wanted to scream like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this happened to you. Because it's like to know him knows how utterly undeserving he was of an end like this Mm -hmm. in the in the cruelty within which it happened and just at the hands of who it happened to was just like it was just such an overwhelming feeling of like depression and disgust and mm-hmm. and helplessness, you know. Um, and so for about a week and if you saw my Instagram post for about a week, I pretty much didn't believe in anything, you know, mm-hmm. like everything, all the work that I've done on myself in my life was so overtaken by grief and by mm-hmm. a feeling of what is the point what is the point of being a good person you know and it's even hard to say now because that's so not in alignment with who i am or what i believe but i was grief rips logic away from you right and so like in that moment it was just like because you look at somebody living such a powerful life such a resilient person that not perfect he was a flawed human like us all right Mm -hmm. but he gave life more than most and he actively looked to help people. And for him to end in that way on the steps of his business Mm -hmm. in his neighborhood, it like, my mind still cannot process it. Like Mm -hmm. it's just the most fucking absurd shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you could ever think of happening. Um, so I say all that to say, I showed up in class and I stood up to share, you know, sometimes they'll ask, does anyone have any thoughts before we start? And I stood up to share and I said, I'm here, but I don't want to be be here. And I don't believe in anything that you people are talking about anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then they were just like, OK, um, you know, do you want to expand on that? And I just ended up breaking down crying. I was just like, my. I was like, my friend was murdered. Like my friend was murdered and he was a great person. Mm-hmm. And I have lost people before. You know, one of my best friends in high school was murdered. I've known people that have gone, I've experienced quite a bit of death, but something about this experience, I just wanted to say screw it all, Yeah. you know? Um, So it was really interesting is the facilitator, one of the facilitators of this amazing program, his name is Ron Holnick. I went up to him afterwards and I was just like, I just need to understand more about the soul. Like mm-hmm. I need to understand the purpose of things like this happening. Cause that's a big issue that I have just in the studying of spirituality. I do a lot of like, The way in which I'm living my life, definitely I'm sharing positivity and quotes and videos and content online, but more so like I would consider myself now Really, a researcher and a facilitator of healing. Like my life's work is to really study the process of generational trauma and to study the way that humans feel and see the world um, mm. and experience spirituality within this human form. So I was like, I need. I just need information about the soul. And he said something to me. And I'm sorry it's taking me so long nah, to get nah, here. But it.
4: Nah, get it out. Do your thing.
3: He said something to me that was just such an interesting way to look at things. He said, you know. When a soul understands what its purpose here is and has done a certain amount of work, there is a point where it can choose to leave or to stay Mm. based on his belief system. Right. There's a point where it can choose to leave or to stay, because if you have reached the maximum of what you can do, of what you were meant to do in this life, right? Then you might do yourself a disservice by staying because you might incur more karma Mm -hmm. being here. Right. And so kind of, you know, in, in the way that I see the world and in the things that I, I study and practice, it's like, the idea is you are trying to get through your karma that you're carrying with you, your, your life's lessons, your actions. Right. And so if you make it to a point where maybe you have transmuted all that karma and you stay here, you could be getting more. And so then you might be repeating the process in reincarnation. You Mm -hmm. might be coming back and now having a larger workload as Mm -hmm. opposed to leaving this world with past life merit Mm -hmm. and then coming back at a different level, you know, like, Um, so I mean, that's a mouthful and it's a lot, but you know, I just thought that was interesting because him telling me that mixed with something you shared with me, which I'm not going to repeat about the day that Nipsey died and the last moments, it still hurts, but it gave me a a huge amount of peace Mm. in his peace with perhaps what happened to him mm. and what he was meant to do here and what he is now meant to do as a soul in heaven. Mm. Cause I think it's like, if we were to before seeing the aftermath of his passing, if we were to look at Nipsey's life, the people that knew him would be like, yo, amazing guy doing incredible work, yeah. but maybe not nationally. You didn't yeah. know all the facets of, his generosity and his giving right Mm -hmm. so you think like oh there's no way his work could be done because he just released his first album but if you think of it on a greater context than whatever his musical offerings were meant to be in this world and what his death was going to mean to this world Mm -hmm. like his death has caused a major shift in people Mm -hmm. like I I've been a huge friend and fan of Nipsey for a very long time but I didn't think It it wouldn't have even necessarily been conceivable to me that he would pack out the Staples Center, though I felt he'd be worthy of it because I love him. The only person that ever did that was Michael Jackson. So it wouldn't have even been like in context for us to ever assume that his death would have had the impact that it had worldwide, you know?
4: Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, first of all, I believe, my belief is we all have a book. Everybody has a book. Some people books are thick books. Some people books are short. But everybody, when I believe, when you are born, you have a book. I believe you. You have a story. You have a book. And everybody's story ends different. Everybody book, but we all have a book. We all have a book. And the one thing promises is we 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 won't be in the flesh forever. You know. And it was. It. I mean, initially, of course, it was very hard to swallow the Nipsey thing. Now, where, where my heart is at. Because that was probably one of the most intense blows. Because and it was, you know. But where 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 my heart is at, I I, I look at Nipsey the same way. Uh, I look at all 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 of the all of my heroes now. That mm. I mean, when you you know, Jimi Hendrix died, I think at twenty six. I'm not one of those ages. Charlie Parker died at thirty five. John Coltrane died at forty. Tupac died at twenty six. I mean, it's like yeah, you know, it's it's kind. I, my father is, is interesting. He's so just blunt. He said, the bad motherfuckers don't stay here alone. That's all he had to say. He said enough. He out of here.
5: Mm. Now
4: y'all take what I said. Let's see what y'all do with that. Mm. You know? And we all, and, and and I was always looking at life like that. But when Nipsey died, I, I my faith was tested. Yeah. Because I was like, whoa, do I really feel like that? Right, do I, right, right. Because I don't want right, to feel like that right, right now. Na- na- I don't want to feel like that now. I don't want that. I don't want to feel like that for him. Mm-hmm. But
3: mm-hmm. and no. you also don't want to feel that way for yourself, right? Because nah, it want to wanna, play you know, like your own And you know what? I, I attachment to Earth.
4: Yeah, and it the and, and it's very sad. The whole it's very sad the whole situation. Even it's sad what's happening to the young man Eric. The whole situation is sad. Everything is sad and people and that's compassion is a real thing. Yeah. It's kinda is
3: Especially in moments like that. It, it gets really, deeply conflicting yeah. when
4: you when you have selective compassion. Mm-hmm. And
3: Mm, which is impossible. You can't have true compassion if it's selective. Yeah.
4: I forgive, but I don't forget.
3: Yeah. You know, but
5: that's a different podcast.
4: You know what I'm saying? But, but I'm saying that that's the thing where I had to sit back and look at Nipsey and everybody involved and say, you know what? This is sad. Hmm. Everything involved, everything, not everything. Eric too. That's sad too. Just like when you, and even it's, 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 you know, it's, it's just sad. It's just sad. You know, I, I love how glasses put out the situation about Orlando, the video, uh, uh,
3: Tupac must die.
4: Tupac must die. Cause you know, what's deep about that. It, when, if you from LA in the hood, that's how a lot of us felt. Like when that happened, believe it or not, people deep in had compassion for both ends of the table.
3: Yeah,
4: because I, I remember the day. Because it's you like know? you're
3: you're seeing it through the eyes of what the code of conduct is. The code of in conduct is, and
4: and you, and for me as a father now, I say this. Uh, I, I say all these, all my judgment thoughts. I throw all my judgment, human being things out there. Then I say, hey, now if that was Taryn, your baby, that was your son. If that was your son in that place, or if that was your son in the other place, now how would you feel? Because you you can't have selective compassion. Mm-hmm. It's not for real, you mm-hmm. know. Some people argue that with me. That's cool. That's cool. You know? I mean,
3: there there really is no argument you know, yeah. if you look at But I learned something through the through all that. It's difficult in practice. I
4: learned something about faith through the nip the passing of Nipsey.
3: Tell me. I
4: don't believe you could really understand faith and have faith unless you lost faith before. True. I don't believe so that. True. So true. I don't believe. I don't believe you can't question the creator. I don't believe no, that. Not at all. No, I believe you have to lose faith and 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 fall on your face and scab your heart and scab your soul to understand what something is, and that's a big. That's that's even going back to you know like you're all these young rappers talking crazy because none of them been knocked in the mouth. They don't understand consequence. Yeah. You know.
3: I. You know what? That's such a beautiful point to you because I feel like at least for me, my personal thought is you really can't you really can't fully fully know and love god and surrender to him unless you've been mad at him before oh, easily and come out on the other side of that oh, yeah. you know yeah. because when i think of like the love i have for my connection to divinity whatever you want to call it yeah. right i do i do call it god but not in the not in the context of like Catholicism or Christianity, but I do call that divinity God. Um, and sometimes the universe. But when I think about like how I feel about God right now and like who that God has been to me and in my life and, and, In the good and the bad, I love all of it, right? Because I wouldn't be me without all of it. And I understand now the process of, like, why we're led to the experiences we're led to, even if they're shitty and suck, you know, and painful. Um, And I couldn't be at this level of faith that I have and this level of connection that I have to this sacred being if I also didn't... Have moments in time where I didn't believe and I lost my faith or I believed with like a lot of resentment, you know, like where I was like yelling at him, you know, like I couldn't be this deeply connected to him now if I didn't have that. And it's like, you know, that's where I think that a lot of religion gets it really wrong. It's like they they think that you're meant to experience God in the way that you experience other humans. Like this whole like we're made in his image. First of all, I don't believe that. I believe we're made in his image being that we are energy of him, you know, Mm -hmm. from the soul level. But no, God is so much better than us. God doesn't have ego. God isn't vengeful. God isn't. Doesn't have hate, God yeah. isn't going to be disappointed in you or mad, especially if he knew what you were coming down here to yeah. to encounter yeah. you know so it's just like a very egoic way in yeah. which we try to project onto God um what we experience yeah. from other humans you know yeah,
4: well we put a lot we put uh a lot of people use
3: and the concept of the devil on God and yeah, the idea a lot of, of yeah, a devil.
4: A, a lot of people use these things to avoid from looking at themselves, though. Yeah. So people will God the devil, and I, first of all, I, I believe in God, but people I've learned in being growing up in my particular household and my family and my friends that I've seen and aunties and uncles and in my community of where I come from, I gotta say this because people. That's not, a, okay, great. But people, God is real. And I believe a lot of people, so many excuses and would not want to be look at themselves. On
1: hundred you know, percent.
4: I remember my, my auntie, my auntie, she was suffering so bad, you know. By the way, you, it, it's value in suffering. It's complete value in suffering. She was suffering so bad. She said, oh, the devil was mm. this. I can't pay the light bill. My father used to say, no, you should get a job. You can pay the light bill. <laughs> the devil's not holding the job up, I promise you. Go pay the light bill. Get a job. Yeah, I, you know. So um, she was suffering for years. She's cool now, but you know, people when they suffer, they blame everything on this this devil guy. Yeah, you know. Nobody says no. I fucked up. Let me work it out, or let me pull it together, or maybe I don't. Let me. Nobody takes the blame. Nobody takes accountability. If you could look in the mirror for an hour at yourself and not cry, you a bad motherfucker. Ooh, you a bad motherfucker. Ooh. If you could really tell the truth about yourself. Whoa. You know. um you you're amazing if you could do that. Wow. I don't, I don't I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, it's like, um, and I, I've been guilty of having a lot of judgment in my heart. I've been guilty of using God as excuse and yeah. the devil. I I've been guilty of everything, but now I look at myself first. Yeah. I look at my, I look That's at my, powerful. I look at myself first and I, I work it out. Work it out. You know, people, people, and people even, and like a lot, people make up scriptures. People make up what shit says. Mm. Like, uh, God won't put nothing more on you than you can bear. Show me where it says that. <laughs> and I'll give you a million dollars. I'll give you all my publishing right fucking now. <laughs> right now, shit. Just tell me this, you know, all these things. And I, it must be a reason why I'm going through because God is by my side. It is a reason why you're going through it. Now, I think the blessing comes for if you break through it. Yeah, the challenge. Yeah. People are scared of challenges, the challenge like suffering. When I say it's value and suffering, it's like, you know, is is it's a saying that uh, that it's a saying that the Buddha says you can find beauty within every problem. Yes. They even believe that some people were born here, born here to suffer just to teach you.
3: mm. I've you God, know that, just to teach yeah, you you know that's and so powerful that's I also think like, Nipsey
4: I think Nipsey was so powerful that like wow. you said it's like man them babies that's my whole thing with mm-hmm. him them babies but back to him he left so much stuff that it's gonna take us hundreds of years to catch up mm-hmm. you know hundreds of years it's to catch up God, you know God, and it's, it's yeah so it's, it's, it's 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 such a horrible thing but every day it gets a little not smoother but it gets a little like uh but every time i think it gets better i think about the babies yeah fuck us i think about like the babies you know
3: like when it comes to healing um and grieving violent death is probably one of the more difficult that's because of the instagram when you can see it which i'm i'm so grateful that i have not and i plan to never see that um you could edit this, but I mean... No, it, I, I don't want to hear... If Please don't tell me if you saw it or anything. No, definitely, but me and Top.
4: Yeah. You got to edit this out, but me and Top. Top sat there and told me two nights ago. We was talking about it. I was like, I never heard him say this. He said, I should have never saw it. Yeah. And we just looked at each other. I said, do we... You know, bl- black people call, uh, we... Uh, we call trauma stress.
5: Yeah.
3: Oh my God. (laughs) Right? Yo. We call trauma stress. That's a whole nother show because I really (laughs) want to one episode dive into the way we use Well, Charlamagne
4: help me with that. The
3: way we use our vocabulary to identify our experiences and processes because we use so many wrong words to describe our feelings and it does us a real disservice because it doesn't allow us... To one, really be able to experience those yeah. feelings fully, but definitely not to transcend and move past them. Yeah. Like, yeah, wow, wow.
4: I have a friend that, and and um, I have a I have a, uh, uh, I have a friend that she, she's white. She grew up in Orange County. Cool. She grew up in a certain type of household. She's an artist, but she 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 asked me things like, out the blue, she would say, "Are you positive today?" I said, like, "Why you asking me that?" I'm what? Yeah, why you don't ask me that? And she'd be like, like, but I had to think about that.
5: Like, why am I so defensive over somebody asking me that? Yeah.
4: Because we're so used to thinking if somebody asks you something, something's wrong. We're so defensive over, that's all part of trauma. Young, from going through things.
3: But also I would, I would say too, the way that, this person worded it can be very triggering, especially depending on what your definition of positive is. Because I think a lot of people weaponize this idea of positivity yeah. as a way to like very passively, aggressively keep you from yeah. feeling. Well, I or thought that was it. And I, I said,
4: what do you mean by that? What, where, where's that stemming from? Like break it down. And right. she broke it down. Well, no, my, we grew up actually making sure you're positive. So if you're not, maybe we could fix it. Like her, she was just like, It wasn't that deep. It was just that. Yeah, yeah, And then I was like, okay. But I said, well, just know it sounded strange. (laughs) Because I'm positive (laughs) as fuck, but you're going to make me not positive in a minute. (laughs) Now, damn it.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God. We've talked talked about, um, like, dabbled a little bit with your story of fatherhood um, Mm -hmm. throughout this episode. How many kids do you have? Five. Five kids. And I know you have a baby baby.
4: Yeah, two and a half years old. Oh, my God. Yeah.
3: So being someone that is now established grown, grown fully in your adult life, yeah. navigating this world. Well, yeah. um, but also we're like a 15 year old father. So yeah. your oldest is 20, 22, 22. Yeah, so what, <laughs> tell me some of the differences there of experiencing fatherhood then versus now
4: front for me personally, I could tell by where I was in my life by um, the relationships of me and the previous children's mother had. Ah. I could tell where I was.
5: Mm.
4: I could look at my insecurity, path. I could look at all these things and what I learned in my early part of my life that when two people just randomly make kids and cool. And, and you know, that um, I wasn't a great father growing up because I didn't know how to be, I was a kid. And the mothers didn't know how to be a mother. They were just doing what their other people taught them, which the is, they could. you know, uh, you know, um, nobody knew how to be parents. We didn't even know how to be young black people. You know, so we was all lost. So my mm. my, my my oldest son, and I, he's it's amazing. He's so beautiful and so cool. Because he, we didn't have a tight relationship coming up. It was, I was the father, he knew the father, his mother was the mother, but he was kind of in the middle of so much turmoil of young parents. So he, we was around each other, but we never got to enjoy each other. We were so young. We started enjoying each other when he turned 18 years old. You know what I'm saying? Cause we were so young. So that's my first child. My second child, the same thing. The early children, we I was a kid, and the mothers were kids. And believe it or not, we we all talk about this because they are, they even suffer understanding from their mother. Mm. You know, this is a this is a real thing. So, you know, I I, I kind of didn't click into fatherhood because I never. When I first had children, this wasn't thing of I'm going to be a father. This is thing I'm just having sex and I'm not understanding yes. the consequences.
5: Yeah,
4: I'm not understanding that if somebody me me and Jason always say if somebody would have just said your dick can make a person, <laughs> just like that. You know what I'm saying, Debbie? Your uh, dick could make a human being. You know how crazy that would have made us sound like what? <laughs> But everybody was shh, don't do it, Stop, don't, shh, don't 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 talk, Stop, don't shh, don't. And then when it happened, nobody knew how to react. Yeah, a lot of young parents was going through this, even to this day. So, my my it, it was it was very difficult earlier because I didn't know how to do it. All I knew was that if I worked and got money and paid them money, they would they would they would they would, they would be peaceful. That's all I knew because in 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 the in the hood, in the ghetto, having kids young, you know, either the the guy. At, a lot of the guys aren't around cause out of fear they don't know, but a lot of the mothers understand and they they want the money. And but yeah. the guy doesn't have a skill to get the money and mm. that's turmoil and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was well, rough. Especially it's like if you, This is a whole nother part. Young parenting because yeah, I'm I'm still well, like, once in, a month I think once a day. I think about this and be like wait a minute, did I call a car? How many times did I, I, I got to make, I, like I'm so weird about yeah. giving time now where it's like, I'm like, so I'm like, I, and I, I, I do the best I can and I do. But now that I love fatherhood and want to be a father and I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. However, my career is, is in a weird place to where I'm always gone. Even when I, when I'm here, I'm here, but even when I'm here, I'm going, people say, you know, you got to make time. And yes, we, I do make time, but it's, it's a difficult life. And it's, it's, that's more than music, more than anything I've ever been, being a 100% family man being shared by the world is a very, that's the biggest challenge I go through every day Mm. because I want to comfort my other half, my woman, I want to comfort my children and they don't care about going. They, all they want is time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then,
3: especially, it's like, you know, if you have children with multiple people well, yeah. that live in very different places. And that's like, another
4: thing to where I'm sure, and this is a real thing, and I'll see you, you oh, this yeah. is real. I'm sure the earlier children
3: feel like why have feel I have to feel a little, this version why couldn't that? it work yeah, with dad and mom or why
4: couldn't it do that? Because they don't, yeah. you know, but I, but but I've had real conversations with my with right. the older ones.
3: I think that's, that's the part yeah. that is so important. Without like, being disrespectful yeah
4: because it was not it's no fault here there's no no fault fault. it's two babies that had babies yeah and you know and now me and guess what we get along just the other night i played the hollywood bowl me and herbie to a sold out show in los angeles me herbie and kamasi all la guys sold out the hollywood bowl playing jazz African American art, music, nothing on the radio, nothing with high, with uh high plays on the internet. Just people coming out to hear truthful art, and it was a sold out show, and I was able to have most of my children there, mothers of my everybody backstage with Quincy Jones and everybody just hanging, cause I saw Quincy do this. And when I was twenty, Quincy said, "How many kids you got?" And then I said two, and he said, "Man, you gotta make sure you 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 gotta make sure everybody's on one accord." it is hard to do it but you got to make sure so i've always tried to make sure we all are a village yeah and we are our our village you know to each his own for me it's no funny business to make it all a village everybody can't nobody fuck nobody Mm. can nobody get no special, weird, undercutting shit. Nobody could have an ounce of jealousy. Everybody has to be very confident in themselves. And I have that community in my family now with my mm. other children's mother, with their husbands. Mm. You know, we have a real community. And it's, I've I've actually shaped it. I've shaped it out of just honesty and love and saying, we were all wrong. Let's go.
3: Ah.
5: And
4: everybody's on one accord now, but it's still a struggle because yeah,
5: and
3: it takes time to get there. It takes it time, takes a you know. Lot of these time, personal growth.
4: Young, these people didn't. They, they. I had children with people that didn't. What wasn't art? Artists' households. Yeah. Get a job. Well, no, I believe if I practice long enough, something's gonna happen. Mm. What about the food now? I don't know, but if I practice long enough, you can't just. Who wants to hear that shit? Right. But. I did it. That's why to this day I, I go beyond beyond for all for all the mothers of my children. You know, if whatever, like whatever, I go beyond and above, you know, and I love them and I appreciate all of them. I appreciate my children and I love the suffering we all went through because we would not have been here and yeah. all of them helped me get to where I am because now I have a high sense of compassion for, um, a lot of young just young married musicians, man, I'm about to go on my first tour, blah, blah, blah. A lot of successful ones, young producers I meet. He you give me any advice? I said, you about to go on the road, your first tour, three months, you got a kid? Yeah, my kid's two years old. You got your girl, how long have you been married? We been together. I said, is she used to you leaving town, the family? No, no, but she's gonna be cool. First of all, she's not
5: she's gonna be cool. <laughs> right.
4: Second of all, this is nothing you could explain.
5: Mm.
4: you have to go through this but let me tell you what I did and my woman will tell you I call every night I FaceTime I'm so weird with being gone but not being here I try to make so much time to the point I say well I can't do that festival that tour unless my family could come that's expensive but they fly them out. You know, that's, that's, that's the vibe. I worked hard for that level to where if they want me, that they, they, they my children come, my family, whoever. I make sure all the kids, when I go to Japan, I tell the promoter, if we want you in Japan, I say, fuck that, give me six extra tickets.
5: Because
4: mm. I need f- family to come and show kids. other." Now, since I'm not home a lot, I make sure I use my, my privileges and give them to all my children, my nieces and nephews. Let's travel. Travel's the biggest privilege. That's the biggest thing you could do for a child is travel. Yeah from you know we that's the biggest thing you could do art you know I remember you telling me how your mom knew just the museum like the biggest thing you could do is open the kids mind up and now I'm doing that to where now my my kids it took me forever to it used to fuck me up how I inspire so many kids to do music and then my kids aren't inspired by me Mm. hey man I'm about to do yeah dad we'll see you later
3: Mm. but
4: it's a line of kids here same age as my kids so I had to click in and it's a battle. I'm still, you know,
3: yeah. It's and still I, and a I thing. think for the people listening too, what, <clears throat> because like everything you're sharing is so aspirational and beautiful, but it's also like hard earned. Like what yeah. you're saying now, it's like your kid, your ranges of your kids age is 22, like to 22. 22 to two. Yeah. So, you know, it took, it took a long time. It took years yeah. to be in this great, yeah. like, I didn't even know my children. Fluidity.
4: I didn't even know them. I was with them so much, talk to them every day, yeah. hug them for the weekend, but didn't know them for years. Yeah, Didn't know. Didn't. It was so embarrassing to hear how great Akai sang one day and me, and me have to act like I was familiar with that skill level. Mm. But me going home saying, oh man, get on the ball. You got to then just like everything else, you got to go extra hard for that then. You know, so, but that's, yeah. it's been a, that's helped me get through life. Like my sense of compassion now is my forgive me threshold. is crazy when, when, when drugs came into my family's life and split us up and my father had to go away for a while and me and my mom stayed in little motels here and there. Like I didn't feel nothing was wrong. I didn't feel nothing was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I, people, you know, you hear, I grew up in a hotel in the hood and all we had was top ramen and uh, I didn't feel nothing was wrong. The TV worked in the little bo- mm. motel. We stayed in a single forever. And it was just, it was nothing wrong. She didn't let me feel one bit. Now that I'm older and hear the shit she was going through, I was like, "Yeah, yo, you know.
3: God, and that's such an important lesson for just parenting, right? Because... They're like human beings, we all have this inherent sense at the deepest, darkest part of us of being unworthy, yeah. of being not enough, right? Yeah. Um, for some, it's like of being a mistake, right? Um, or being somehow unlovable or not deserving. Yeah. And a lot of that stems from us fighting our realities. Like there's this like mm. perceived ideal that society created over time since the dawn of history, right? Right. And we suffer because we try to fight our reality instead of just, and this takes time, but instead of just like being open to circumstances and not letting them define how we feel about ourselves, right? Like understanding the greater orchestra of the world, because it's like, like you think for when I, when I look back at my childhood and I look back at all of these limiting beliefs that became ingrained in me about myself, it was really based on comparing my life and my childhood to other people's. And especially comparing it to TV and comparing it to movies and comparing it to the way that fatherhood and parenthood and how it is like the idealized version that in actuality is not true for anyone. Like we're all saying that unless my life looks like X, Y, and Z, the most idealized version of it then it sucks. I'm not enough. And I'm in a space of lack. And the truth is this thing that we're trying to hold ourselves up to does not, and has never existed for anyone. I don't know anybody that has ever met all that criteria, but I'm suffering because I think I'm not enough in comparison to that. You know, um, I really just think like, like what you just shared about your mom, that's so important in parenthood, especially if you are like having a rough time parenting with like your child's other parent, like say you're not together, say you guys never really knew each other or meant to have a child which is, together, which is
4: a real thing,
3: which happens a lot. Real that, thing. I mean, listen, yeah. it happens a lot, yeah. Yeah. a lot. I really want to do like a larger episode about this, about motherhood and fatherhood in this way. Um, so maybe coming soon because I have a lot to say on it, but You know, I think the best thing you could do for your child, no matter what circumstances they're in, is not ingrain in them a sense of lack yeah. Based on how you see the world, because children come to this world, babies come to this world, whole and complete. and complete. It is all of the things that we put in them that either adds to that or detracts from that.
4: We put racism in them, we put hate in them, we put all that. We and put our like we put our
3: problems. Our in problems, our projections. So it's like if you yep. if you have a circumstance right now in your parenthood that is not ideal, you know. Number one, I extend so much compassion to you because it's hard. Life is hard. Experiences Good. are difficult. But don't let your kid feel that, you know, like you can mm. absolutely like even with you sharing, you guys were staying in a hotel.
4: And don't don't feed your kid hot Cheetos. I hate when I say that. <laughs> Sorry.
3: Maybe you weren't having the best meals. Maybe yeah. you weren't having this, but you did have love. And your mom created, even mm. in that hotel room, a sense of peace.
4: It was peace. You know,
3: a, a sense of you were enough. Yeah. And this is what life looks like right now. And she still disciplined you. Me.
4: She, she still was. She It was like. Yeah. It was not like. We're here, so let me. It was like we're here. F- fold up your side over there. Fold it up. Don't yeah. don't get it's eight in the morning. Get up. We gotta we gotta go. We'll come back later on. Let's go.
3: And kids also can handle the truth. Oh, this yeah. idea of like projecting your feelings on them of either like anger or unhappiness, but not actually cluing them into what's happening. They don't know how to process emotions. They don't have emotional vocabulary. Yeah. So they're taking all of it on and creating this false narrative that is going to haunt them for the rest of their lives. You know, yeah. like we have to tell our kids the truth, even the really complex mm. and, and let them unflattering be them, versions, let you them know? live,
4: let them be free a little let bit, them let them be free, let them be free. So you just let them be, keep an eye on them but let them be free a little bit. Yeah. Cause they're gonna have a whole lifetime of not being able to be free all the time. Yeah. So let them be free a little bit. You know, we we know I mean my daughter's very respectful. I mean she's a kid, so she does kid things, but it's never uh when she makes a mistake, it's always like I, first of all, I never Google God gotta talk to my kids. Yeah. And my daughter, she my kids will tell you like my what's up? <laughs> like my Akai Akai a will tell you when I was four, a Kai, I used to be like, I hey, what's up? Daddy, I want, don't talk to me like that. What's up? Well, dad, this, okay. I want, I want that. One. What's that mean? Why do you want that? Mm-hmm. Why do you want soda instead of water? I just know why. It tastes better. Okay, well, you can't have that. So my kids grew up, like, yeah, my even my daughter, through, like, you got to meet her. She, oh, she's so, like, sc-
5: excuse me. Thank you.
4: She's so, because I've learned, that like, you don't, you don't, you got to let them be free, because kids are smarter than us. Yeah. Kids see the truth before we see the truth. Yeah. Like, when your kid don't go to somebody, it's a reason.
5: Yeah. The
4: main one, either because they don't know them, but sometimes, because they ain't fucking with them.
5: Yes. Because they energy. feel something.
4: With, with and That could be with grandparents, cousins. Yes. Whoever. Kids know what's up. Yeah. You know? Like, my daughter, she don't, I, I taught her young. Especially Akai, Akai, when she was a baby, she would like my uncles. But like, let me give her a hug. And this is no, this is not a trust issue thing. This is a, 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 a father with his daughter thing. But she always look at me. depending on, I'd be like, "It's all right, baby. Go ahead."
5: Mm.
4: <sighs> boom, boom. And it could be one of my uncles if I feel like I don't want my baby on your energy. I don't want my baby on your energy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially. I,
3: if, and we gotta stop forcing kids to hug. Yo, adults. Yo, first like of it's all, some kind of. <clears throat> this like dog and pony show. Hug your kid. Oh, hug your, hug, hug. Go hug auntie. So-and-so go hug uncle. So-and-so like, no, it's my child's body. They don't have to, if they don't want to. And yeah. it's not to be disrespectful nope. to you or anyone else, but
4: nope. my daughter, she ain't got a hug or touch nobody, but now she's coming to age where she knows how to hello. Because I don't shake hands. Yeah. I do the pound. I don't mm. shake hands. Why? Cause I don't want to shake your hand. I do the pound. Cause it's Jeremy out here.
5: <laughs> Jeremy.
4: It's Jeremy out here. <laughs> that means more ways than one, but it's Jeremy out here. Man, kids are beautiful.
5: Yeah.
3: I'm I'm so, so deeply grateful for Quest. Oh, yeah.
4: He's gonna be a, he's 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 gonna be a different cat. Like what what's he gonna be? Like do you ever wonder what are they gonna be?
3: Mm-mm. I don't wanna I don't even wanna think about it yet. Yeah. Cause I don't well, want not,
4: what, not, what I always wonder who are they? I'm yeah. curious to
3: know. You know what? My, my intention for his life is just that he feels good being himself, yeah. that he's kind and compassionate, um, and whole, you know, like I, I legitimately, because the thing is, it's like, I don't want my ego tied to my parenting. Your life is not about making me proud. Your life isn't about instilling in me that I am good and worthy and that I've, you know, look at what I've done for yeah. you and accomplished for you. Like, God chose me to bring you here. It is a sacred responsibility. I feel grateful. I'm locked in, mm-hmm. and after that, it's like I'm I'm here to lead your way and guide you, but also just love you yeah, and love you. whoever you want to be and whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. This is your journey. You have every right.
4: Yeah, that's all you could do. That, yeah. That's how I think. I think about that, and to add to that, I, and I'm just gonna put the tools there for you. Yes, and the right pieces. Yeah. To the
3: puzzle. And you know what, like that, like I do a lot with affirmations. um, And I think by the time this episode comes out, I'll have already released an IGTV about this, but i recorded IGTV on my Instagram page to... About like mindfulness tips for babies, and one of the things that I love doing is like affirmations request. Mm. So, and he can't read them, he can't yeah. do them, but I just, as I'm holding him at night in the dark before I put him in the crib, I just say them to him, and I say, "You are perfectly designed. Yeah. You're covered in God's grace. You're protected. You are safe. You're provided for. You're yeah. valued. You're treasured. Yeah. You're loved. You gotta do that. You have all the tools you need yeah. for this life inside of you already. Yeah. You know, yeah." All right, T, we gotta go because we, we could go. sit here for another yeah, five this is hours part one. Uh, part one part Terrace, one Terrence, i I just I love you. I honor your I creativity. Love you too, I honor your impact on this world, and I am always just grateful to know you and to be inspired by you and just excited for all the other things that I you're feel, gonna I give I feel the, the world. Same way
4: about you. I love the part when charlemagne said he slept with your friend in the book
5: oh. God,
4: I just I just love that. It made me realize how much I love you.
3: Huh? You know why? Huh?
4: Cause Dev is the plug.
3: What? <laughs> how are we ending the episode like this? It wasn't my friend. Yes, and Charlemagne's first book, I don't even know how we got to end the show because we got to
4: do it because we got to
5: expect.
3: In Charlemagne's unexpected. first book, yeah. he talks about how. um I don't know. There was some kind of meetup with some of my interns and I didn't know about it until I read the book and I still don't want to know about it. And I don't know any of those people anymore. So. I
4: love that book, man. I love. How did we get here?
3: Goodbye T. Bye Terrace. Yo, (laughs) yo, 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 you you can find me on act. (laughs) (laughs) It's the dropping gems podcast. Peace. Peace big thank you for listening to this episode of the dropping gems podcast this show is executive produced by adrian scott and me debbie brown our theme music was created by producer day one and the poem that you heard at the beginning of the show well that was created especially for us by award-winning poet Namdi okafor you have a quick moment right now, please hit subscribe on the show. And if you like what you heard, take it a step further and give us a five-star rating. Until next time, you connect with me on IG at Debbie Brown or my website, DebbieBrown.com. Be blessed.
1: Right Rug Flooring.